the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Ed Martin and the Pro-America Report. On The Answer, San Diego. Welcome to the Pro-America Report. It's Ed Martin. Thank you for tuning in. And those of you that are over on, uh, on Periscope, thank you for watching there. And listen, number one, what you need to know is go to EdMartinLive.com right now. Okay, write it down if you can't go now, if you're driving or something, go there and sign up for the email. I send an email every morning. You're going to want to get the email. It's going to simplify your life. It goes out at 5 a.m. on the Pacific time. You'll get it in your inbox. It's called What You Need to Know, the Wink, W-Y-N-K, Wink. Every day you get the daily wink. It'll solve most of your problems. And there you have it. And right now. I'm going to give you the daily wink here on the uh, Pro America report because it's just too important. And so, you know, we talked earlier. Oh, I, I want to reiterate. I know some of you heard this on Periscope, but let me reiterate. New, I talked to Newt Gingrich this morning and he, he's living in Italy. His wife is the ambassador to the Holy See and Newt Gingrich is living in Italy. And I don't know if you knew this. I did not. I'm a little embarrassed to, to tell you. Newt Gingrich told me that the Chinese bought up many Italian businesses in northern Italy. And therefore, instead of moving the businesses to China because the Chinese wanted to continue to say we've got chocolates that are Italian made, they moved Chinese workers into into Italy. So there's a hundred thousand Chinese workers in Italy, in northern Italy, in various right around uh, where all the bad uh, uh, virus hit. So. The Italians being left wing, the, uh, uh, yeah, there's Gucci. I think Gucci is still Italian, but I think, uh, Fern, uh, the point here is that Gucci has a, a, a Chinese workers and it's Chinese owned. But so that what happened in the, in the Italian government, which is very left leaning, politically correct, they didn't want to ban flights from China. And so since they didn't want to ban flights from China during this crisis, they let a, uh, tens of thousands of people come home from Chinese New Year from Wuhan and other places, and they brought the infection. That's why Italy uh, got hit so hard. <coughs> it's not the Italians. It's not something in de- you know specific. And that's why when the record is written, the historical record, they're going to say that Donald Trump's uh, willingness to stop airfare from China was a monstrously big deal, a huge, huge break. A, a, you know, and the experts were telling him, don't do it. Don't do it. It's too much. It's too much. Fauci was saying, oh, don't do it. And Trump said, no, no we're going to stop that. That's the difference maker. All right. So that's one thing I didn't know earlier. And I did mention that uh, Roger Stone, I talked to Roger Stone's uh, lawyer earlier. We talked to him last week and he is um, uh, there on path, I think, for a positive uh, message. It was very early this morning positive outcome. And then about an hour later, uh, 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 Donald Trump tweeted uh, a quote from uh, Roger Stone and, and encouragement. So I think I think eventually that will work out. I'm, I'm optimistic. But but let me get to what you need to know today. What you need to know today is the Flynn situation has it's revealed two major things. The general Flynn situation, I mean, it's revealed a lot more than that, but I want to point to two major aspects of what is happening to this country and how the, the people who think they're in charge and they're not bound by the Constitution, the law, anything else are out of control. 
And so the first one is Judge Sullivan, the guy who's in the, the judge in the case of Mike Flynn. It's the United States prosecutors versus Mike Flynn. Those are the combatants. Our system of government is is supposed to be that these two are facing off the, the prosecutor and the defendant and that the, that the judge is a kind of umpire who has to call balls and strikes on certain things and make sure certain things aren't happening. If it's a jury trial, they have to supervise the jury. If it's a judge-based trial, they have to make uh, findings of fact and then apply them to the law. But they're not participants in the combat, in the battle. And Judge Sullivan has decided not only to be a participant, to have a position, to call Flynn names, to use the word treason about him, to mischaracterize his, his work on the White House grounds. Totally wrong. He apologized for it in open court. But what Sullivan, Judge Sullivan has done now is decide that even though both sides in this case have decided, you know, there was too much nonsense, there was too much setup, there was too much irregularities, we're not going to prosecute. Instead of accepting that, the judge who's supposed to be the umpire has said, no, no, I want to fight. I want to be in the fight. And he's putting the prosecutor and, and Flynn to the side and inviting in people. And, and here's how, what I mean about how out of control it is. As we talked earlier about this, uh, Judge uh, General Flynn's uh, lawyers applied for a writ of mandamus to tell the Court of Appeals to say, look, Judge, you have to do your job. You don't get to be a combatant. You have to let this case go. But when they filed that writ of mandamus yesterday, the judge didn't even wait to hear what the outcome would be. No, instead, he announced that he's going to have open court hearings with these new combatants invited in on July 16th. Now, my point here is, if he's so worried about getting to the truth, it doesn't feel, it feels to me like he's just as a political player now. He wants to have the television cameras there. He wants the world's attention on him. In fact, he's probably doing that, setting that hearing in part to tell the Court of Appeals, I'm going to go ahead this way. You all should just let me do what I'm doing. My point is, he's completely out of control. And the only good thing, I mean, the only good thing is that the American people are seeing this because this is so despicable. The treatment of General Flynn is so just terrible. It's a disaster. But you, what you need to know is these people, meaning Judge Sullivan and the people like him, are out of control, completely out of control, completely beyond what the Constitution meant, completely gone past where we're supposed to expect our country to how things are supposed to work. Amazing that it's happening in this country. OK, that's number one. Number two, this Rick Grinnell, the director of national intelligence, he uh, again released more of Susan Rice's uh, emails. And, and Susan Rice was, uh, you know, the one of the senior officials in the Obama White House. I think she had various titles at various times, but one of the most senior at the highest levels. And during on the day of the inauguration, she sent this cryptic email to herself that she has now earlier today revealed she was told to send it by the general counsel for the White House. Now, again, if you don't think, well, let me say it more affirmatively. When the general counsel of the White House is telling you to send a cover your tail memo email to yourself on the last day in office, you know something is at least questionable, right? That's the point of that. You know, something is is questionable in the mind of the general counsel. Like, hey, you better do this because we want we want to leave a paper trail that we can point to and say didn't do anything wrong. And what is clear again, time and again now is Susan Rice, Samantha Powers, a few others in the White House. They were it appears again, we don't have all the details. It appears 
that they were directing, not just receiving information. They were directing the investigation, not just receiving. Let me make this distinction I made before. You'll notice in the emails and exchanges that um, uh, Susan Rice is making a distinction between law enforcement and doing things by the book. That's a Comey phrase, I think. And national security. In other words, national security gets to Trump, pun intended, not intended, gets to, gets to, national security gets to override any other concerns. You could do law enforcement by the book, but national security, that's bigger. And that's what Susan Rice appears to be saying, is that she's got a reason that's bigger than any law enforcement thing that would slow them down. My point here is, what you need to know, Rick Grinnell is not a kid. He's a pro. And people don't realize his pro, um, his his previous experience was not diplomatic. It was in high level PR, communications, crisis communications. He knows what he's doing. And Rick Grinnell, if you, as you can see now that I said, is laying out the breadcrumbs. Right, the breadcrumbs are going. It's a, it's a. Who is dema- Who is unmasking? Okay, who are those requests? You know why? Why is that? For two days, that's all we talked about. Then we had the Susan Rice email. That was all we talked. Then the full Susan Rice email. Rick Grinnell is slowly, slowly bringing the breadcrumbs and working this out. And the, you know, again, if I was sitting in uh, the CNN green room, James Clapper in the MSNBC green room, John Brennan, uh, or at uh, Covington and Burling, Eric Holder. Uh, I think Susan Rice is out at uh, Stanford or somewhere. I would be saying, huh, where's this going to go? Wh- am I getting rolled up in this? And the, and the most interesting question for me is as you see this and put it together, is somebody going to roll? Somebody going to flip? I- is somebody going to say, well, I wasn't the one doing it. It was them over there. You got to wonder because the breadcrumbs are marking, marching right back and they're going towards, well, they're going towards Obama. And I, I've been tweeting for three days. It's, it's hashtag Obamagate because hashtag Obama knew. Ob- nobody disputes that now. You'll notice that there's not disputes out of the uh, Obama camp that say he didn't know. They're not denying. They're not admitting it yet, but they're not denying it. That, all right, that's what you need to know. All right, we're going to take a break. When we come back uh, on the radio show, we've got a couple of uh, a big guests. Uh, Joe Dugan, who's an old friend of mine from St. Louis, has written a piece in American Greatness about this Flynn case. You'll be really interested to hear on that. And we will also talk with John Schlafly. Let's take a quick break. We'll be right back. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Be right back. Ed Martin and the Pro-America Report. On The Answer San Diego. Welcome back. It's Ed Martin here on a Pro-America Report. Old friend of mine, Joe Dugan, Joseph Dugan, who's, uh, I knew his parents really well, too. Uh, he's a super guy, and he's writing over at American Greatness, among other places. He is, uh, he is a former, he was a speechwriter. Uh, in the White House for H.W. Bush. He'd been in the Reagan State Department, I think, an international businessman then uh, uh, living overseas. He was author of, a, of the book Khashoggi Dynasties and Double Standards and now lives in St. Louis, Missouri, my old hometown. Uh, welcome back, Joe. How are you? Very well. Thank you, Ed. And uh, always a pleasure to talk with you and uh, to talk with your listeners. Yeah, thank you, Joe, and you're good to do it. Uh, you wrote this piece just a day or two ago. Uh, the title is The Fire Hose of Falsehood Hits Flynn, Gorka, and King, which is a great, um, a great, not, it's not only a great, I mean, it's a great headline, but it, a great title, but it, it, the linking of Flynn, Gorka, and King, it's perfect. Walk us through sort of how you set up the piece, and then we'll talk more about it. Sure. Uh, well, I've had, uh, I've had sympathy for uh, General Mike Flynn, for Sebastian Gorka and for a Congressman Steve King. Uh, I don't know 
any of them very well, but I've met each of them too. And the personal impression they make is really superb. Uh, you, you know, they, they come across as people of great character, of good character and sincerity and intelligence and patriotism, uh, quite the opposite of the, of the scoundrels that they're depicted as being. Uh, as I, as, as I uh, contemplated uh, and, and observed the, what was going on, the propaganda campaign uh, meant to harm and destroy the careers of these three people I, I started noticing some, uh, some parallels, and then I just did some simple research. I knew that King is denounced constantly, Congressman Steve King of Iowa, as a, as a white nationalist and a white supremacist. He's a hardliner on immigration, uh, but that's the heart of it, as you know, because you were, you were there at the start of this. Uh, that's the heart of the Trump campaign and the Trump, the, the Trump constituency. Uh, Immigration is not the only issue. For me personally, it's not the most important issue. Right to life is, uh, and national right. security are more important. And even other economic issues in this crisis are more important than immigration. But I, I respect, I respect the fact the people who were fed up with illegal immigration as being decent people who have their heads screwed on right. So. Anyway, I noticed the, I noticed that that uh, two elements, a far left element that was highly looped into the to the mainstream media, and the never Trumpers and the rhinos, all were in, each in their turn ganged up on these three people, and they and King at least is involved in domestic policy. King has said some things that are controversial with respect to ethnicity. Uh, but has he crossed the line so, so much that he's not a decent person, that he's a white supremacist? Absolutely not. There are no white supremacists in Congress. Uh, and people who make controversial comments about illegal immigrants, uh, they are what they are. But I'll tell you, they're not white supremacists. That's a slander. It's, it's, it's a, it's a yep. total exaggeration of slander. Okay, so connecting, connecting the dots there. The other day, I thought, well... I'll bet the bad guys have never called Mike Flynn a white, white supremacist. That's really absurd. I did a Google search. What popped up? November 16th, I think it was, uh, 27, 2016, just after, just after Flynn had been uh, announced as, by Trump as, as his incoming national security advisor. A writer for the a propagandist for The Guardian wrote that, that Mike Flynn was a white supremacist. And, and it was published, and it was out there. And it, think about it: this man is an army officer. He <laughs> right. never had anything to do with domestic policy. He never had anything to do with race relations. It was a crude, uh, absurd slander against this man, and yet yep. they used it. Well, if people use the same phrases, however improbably, in relentless, constant false attacks on people. You kind of see that you kind of get the hint that they're connected, don't you? Yeah. 
Well, and, and, yeah. and we're talking with uh, yeah. Joe Dugan. And, and again, uh, Joe's piece is over at American Greatness, and I'll put it up on social media. And, you know, you ran through Flynn, Gorka, King. And, you know, even the president, the, the, the whole Charlottesville hoax, which has been debunked you know, completely by Steve Cortez by right. looking at the transcript, you know, when the president, right. again, you know, yesterday, I think it was Joe Biden said, president's anti-Semitic. Look, it was like 10 days ago, the president, in a, in a, in a speech, he, de- you know, decried anti-Semitism. And, and, and I often right. tell people, I'm pretty sure the Israelis are good at spotting anti-Semites. They don't seem to see it in Donald Trump. So, but I want to make a different point, Joe, because you're a writer, among yeah. other things, you know, speech writer, yeah. a writer of books. I mean, you made your living. The use of language, your point in this piece is that they're using the same campaign because they must know that they that it works right they're not doing it for fun they're doing it because they know it, nobody wants to be you say you say hey uh, joe let's talk about white supremacy everybody kind of pulls back right that's oh, i don't want to be near that is that what's going on and my guess my question is to me it doesn't work it sounds in, in impossible uh, uh, but maybe where you I and agree. i are, are sort of inside too much is it it does it work i don't know it's, it apparently works because they keep using it. They are, they are pragmatic. They want results. I think the way what mm-hmm. they're doing now. Here's what they're doing with Steve King. They've uh, by they now I'm I'm, I'm saving most of my uh, attention for the people who are now trying to defeat him in his primary election uh, for renomination. That that election's coming up in less than two weeks. So the second of June could be close. They, meaning the the never Trump Republican establishment, and uh, the rhinos who have already isolated Steve King, they've put up another candidate, a state senator in Northwest Iowa. They're, they're funding him lavishly. Uh, he's got maybe I don't know four or five times as much as money as, uh, uh, as right. Steve King at his disposal. It's going to be it's going to be tough, but I but I do yeah. think it's it's winnable for King for King. So people should not despair. People should people should rise up and try to help this man. Uh, there's there's a good chance there's a there's a there's a frightening chance that he could be defeated, but there's also a really good chance that he's going to he's going to prove the bad guys wrong and get renominated. So uh, what they're doing, what really galls me, because I spent 25 years in Washington D.C. And you right. know, there's a lot of snakes there. Well, here's how here's how the Republicans, doggone it, have have become snakes against their their stalwart conservative pro-lifer Steve King. They they were so afraid of this white supremacist label being anywhere near them that they stripped King. Right. They had like a show trial, and they stripped King of his committee assignments. Now they are. Uh, the, the main the, the rhino that they've got running against him in the primary June second is saying, "I will do. I will stand for everything Steve King says as does, uh, and but I will deliver because I will have committee assignments." <laughs> right, well, right. Think yeah. about no. think about that, and then yeah. think about that. Did the voters? <laughs> I asked in my my article. Hey, wait a minute. Did the Republican voters uh, have a plebiscite in Northwest Iowa? to strip Steve King of his committee assignments? No. The same rhinos who were spending hundreds and hundreds of thousands of dollars to try to get rid of King in the primary, they're the ones that took away his committee assignments. And this reminds me of another thing, because I worked in the Cold War. The Fellows of yep. Falsehood is a tactic of the Soviets. It's, it's a barrage of propaganda. It's a lot like the Nazis, Hitler's big lie, right? 
Um, the other thing they're doing, it's, it's, it, was called by the, it was called by the Soviets, anti-parasitism. And, and uh, the, the, what the Soviets would do, if there was somebody in their society and in the Soviet Union who they didn't like, they would fire that person from his job. And then right. after a little while, they'd, they'd arrest him and say, you know, it's illegal not to work. <laughs> it's parasitism. Uh. Right. <laughs> they have a show trial and they put him in prison. Well, thank yeah. They stripped him of his committee assignments and then they're saying, you're unfit to be reelected. You don't deserve reelected because you're not doing anything for your constituents because you're not on yeah. committees. Well, <laughs> it's horrible. Yeah. And by the way, he, it is, committee assignments are right. important, but they're not all important. So. Right. Well, you know, and and we're talking with Joe Dugan and Joe. Let me put a listeners remember Steve King. He's a good man. Yeah, and, well, you can help him from from out in San Diego or other places where you may be listening. Do look him up. Get involved. Yep. Well, and I was going to say, Joe, we're talking with Joe Dugan and again, his pieces over at AmericanGreatness.com greatness dot com, and I'll put up on social media. You know, to even put a bigger point on it, all the opponents of Steve King now in the primary oppose him on the positions. He, Steve King was the leader of the heartbeat bill. In other words, protecting life from the beginning of a heartbeat, which was opposed by national pro-life groups. So the national pro-life groups are picking the opponent because they don't want to be bothered with somebody who's so hardline. Steve King has been anti-immigration saying we need to pause. Now he's being opposed by the Chamber of Commerce that wants immigration, wants open borders, all that kind of stuff. So you can tell us a, a lot about somebody by their enemies, but it's a good piece. Fire hose of, fa- fire hose of falsehood hits Flynn, Gorka, and King in a really make you think and i agree with joe uh thank you for bringing this up about steve king he's worthy of a lot of people's respect attention and re-election so thanks very much joe i gotta run i appreciate you being on with us thank you for having me on ed best to to you and your family okay all right thanks joe we'll take a quick break we'll be right back it's ed martin here on the pro america report be right back ed martin and the pro america report on the answer san diego Welcome back. Ed Martin here in the Pro-America Report. <clears throat> Pardon me. John Schlafly is with us, one half of the Schlafly Report. He and his brother Andy do a weekly column, which posts over at townhall.com and also is archived at phyllisschlafly.com, where John is uh, the treasurer of the organization, among other many hats he wears. Welcome back, John. How are you? Uh, I'm good, Ed. How are you today? I'm doing fine. I'm doing fine. Today, you and Andy are taking on what you don't want to do, any of the, the uh, monitoring so that we can be safe, right? So you guys want to just go into the Wild West, and everybody's going to have to get uh, get the Wuhan virus and be sick. That's what you're advocating, right? Well, I, I think, Ed, uh, you know, the, we don't know for sure, but tens of millions of people are already infected and, did, uh, and just didn't show any symptoms. So I really right. don't think contact tracing is the way to go on this type of thing. There's just too many yeah. people, and, and a system of contact tracing is basically would be a system to track everybody in the country, which is what they do in China. Now, you know, right. the big picture is we don't want to make our country more like China as a result of the Chinese coronavirus. We, we have a free well, country here, and we need to build yeah. our own economy under our own constitution. Yeah. Uh, we're talking with John Schlafly, and, to, and to, to pull back and give you more context to our listeners, the weekly column this week is called Contact Tracing, uh, No Thanks, the contact tracing question mark. And I guess, John, the, the, the setup on this is there's a new 
uh, contract signed by Texas for almost $300 million for contact tracing. And contact tracing, you go into this in the history of, of the, the, the idea, would be that um, you're, you're what? You're trying in smaller uh, pandemics or epidemics like the AIDS crisis, you would trace where who who came in contact with the carrier and it would be a way to sort of manage things but but nobody does contact tracing on the flu right nobody does contact tracing on something as widespread that's partly your point isn't it well that's right because suppose you suppose you traced all of the contacts of an infected person then what well, is it, well you yeah. you say ladies so found that your patient has been in contact with a hundred people then you go what do you do to those hundred people? I mean, do you lock them up in quarantine? Uh, yeah. Remember, if, if if your listeners remember back in the uh, AIDS crisis, the, where uh, where a disease was transmitted through sexual contact, uh, the goal was to get people to change their behavior and to not spread uh, the disease to other people. Well, that's not really. There's no really no way to do that in the case of the coronavirus. So I yeah. don't really know yeah. what the contact tracers have in mind other than to assemble data on millions of Americans. Yeah, John, what is so is it is it is it your I'm reading this uh, a piece and again the, the piece is over at phyllislafley.com contact tracing question mark no thanks is do you think that the policymakers it's kind of a fear you know it's it's grasping at straws I mean just yes uh, today Cambridge University you know the the illustrious uh, English university they announced that all of next year the entire school year will be online only, not in per- person. And, of course, uh, California State, which, uh, which is a series of 23 campuses, all different schools from Cal State Fullerton to other Cal States, 500,000 students total, they're going to go online for the whole fall. Uh, what do they know that we don't know? Or, or, or maybe say it differently, are these, are these policymakers uh, afraid and therefore they're lurching in the direction of contact tracing and canceling school? Is that what you think or what's your sense? Well, first of all, people are not going to pay full tuition if they cannot uh, meet in person on campus. So I don't know how that's financially viable. But, uh, you know, if contact tracing would mean, Ed, that we can go back to normal life in America and we can assemble in public places without social distancing and without wearing masks, well, then I I would be interested. But they're not saying that. Nobody is promising that if we have contact tracing – that we can stop wearing masks, stop staying six feet apart, and, and stop going to restaurants, bars, uh, sporting events, and movie theaters. Nobody's saying that. So what is yeah. the point of contact tracing if it is not a step toward return to normal life in America? Nobody has explained that. Yeah. yeah. Uh, all right, John, we're talking with John Schlafly, and you, you straddle two worlds, two, two diametr- almost uh, diametrically opposed worlds. Uh, you work in, uh, in Alton, Illinois, and then you also live down in St. Louis, Missouri. So the contrast, you know, Illinois, uh, Pritzker, he's come, he, he's, he's uh, taken, I noticed his, the governor of Illinois has taken to saying, in nine more days, we'll have a, a conversation about what the next phase will look like. He's not even saying in nine days you'll get out from under it. We'll just have a conversation about what could be. Missouri looks like it's opening up. Of course, other states are opening up. What's your sense of uh, of these of the differences in these states and how it's going to play out? Well, there's also a very much difference between the states and the localities, because yeah. you know, Alton, Illinois, 
is in a Republican county in a Democratic state. But St. Louis, Missouri is a Democratic county in a Republican state. And there is very there are very big differences between what the governors and the county executives are doing in both places. Huh. Is, is Alton, is Alton and, 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 uh, and, uh, are, are, because their local, uh, uh, leadership is more conservative, are they being more, are they opening faster? Trying to. Uh, the county executive in Madison <laughs> County, Illinois, has a plan to reopen and to get businesses back working. But, uh, to be truthfully, not everyone knows who's in charge, whether it's the county executive huh. or the governor. And there's a similar conflict in, St. Louis, Missouri, where you have a Democratic county executive and a Republican governor. And so people talk yeah. about a mixed message. I mean, that's a mixed yeah. message. All right. Now, John, if you had access to hydroxychloroquine and erythromycin, would you take it right now? Uh, you know, without any symptoms, I don't know if I, if I would. Uh, you know, there, there is a theory Many people believe that that drug has a prophylactic effect, which means you you take it in order. You know, you may be you may have the <clears throat> virus, but you take hydroxychloroquine right. before you come down with the disease. Because, Ken, I think it's increasingly clear that what kills people, especially older people, is not the virus, but it's the bot, but it's the body's immune reaction to the virus. And right. uh, so that is what the uh, hydroxychloroquine, of course, we don't know for sure, but many people believe that the drug helps to alleviate your body's uh, overreaction to the virus. Yeah, it's, um, well, you should, your answer should have been that you'll speak to your doctor. You're not going to do any drugs without your doctor's uh, opinion, well, but I'll, right. I'll overlook you're, that. You're, you're I think absolutely I had right to, about I, that. Uh, and, and, and that's what, of course, <laughs> President Trump did. He consulted his doctor yeah. before he took the drug, and that's as he should have done. Uh, now I know I'm getting you early, and just today came out. Have you, you haven't have you seen the next episode of Mrs. America, the uh, no, the Hollywood fifty no, million dollar? You haven't seen? Uh, okay, I haven't seen it. I haven't I seen it this, even. And it's, this week is supposed to dwell on the the ninth, November 1977 International Women's Year convention in Houston, Texas, which has been much written yeah. about, and there was there were rival conventions. On one side of town, the feminists met, and on the other side of town, the anti-feminists, led by Phyllis Lafley, met. Yeah. And each of them yeah, filled right. an auditorium, yeah. 10, to 10 or 12,000 yeah. in each place. That's right, and uh, and that is what it's about. I haven't seen it. We'll have to discuss it next week. We've got one more episode next week of Mrs. America, the $50 million uh, smear campaign out of Hollywood, and then we can maybe break it all down after that's all through. So, all right, thank you, John. I know you've you've got to run. Uh, John Schlafly, his column is, again, available, as always, at phyllisschlafly.com, archived there. This week's one is called Contact Tracing. Uh, no thanks, and appreciate it, John. Thank you. Thank you, Ed. All right, we will take a break and we'll come back and wrap things up. It's Ed Martin here in the Pro America Report. Be right back. Ed Martin and the Pro America Report on the Answer San Diego. This is the Phyllis Schlafly Report, a daily look at the significant issues of our time from an experienced conservative perspective. Sponsored by Phyllis Schlafly Eagles, this broadcast continues the legacy of Phyllis Schlafly and stands against forces that mock traditional values, slander America, and redefine the family. 
Now, here's the president of Phyllis Schlafly Eagles, Ed Martin. When it comes to November's election, President Trump will have almost four years' worth of reasons to vote for him. His past performance gives him the authority to say that he will do what he promises he will do. With President Trump, we know exactly what we're getting. In fairness, that doesn't really distinguish him from Joe Biden. We don't have to guess where Joe Biden stands on the issues either. He was the vice president for eight years, and before that, he was in the U.S. Senate for decades. As a senator, he cast plenty of votes that show exactly how out of sync he is with the American people. Biden may hold himself up as a champion of diversity for promising to nominate the first black woman to the Supreme Court, but don't forget that Joe Biden presided over the Clarence Thomas hearings. It was Biden himself who voted to send the nomination to the floor of the Senate without a recommendation. Justice Thomas has served with distinction for nearly three decades since then, but Biden never apologized for allowing that proceeding to become a high-tech lynching, as Thomas accurately described it. By contrast, President Trump has appointed federal judges like Thomas who abide by the Constitution and live up to our conservative principles. Biden's reputation as a moderate can be easily debunked after he gets a Democratic nomination. He supports sanctuary cities and opposes President Trump's policy of deporting criminal aliens. Again, we don't just have to trust Biden's word on this. Just look at his record. When an illegal alien brutally kidnapped, raped, and murdered a 16-year-old girl in Texas, the Obama administration, with Biden as vice president, tried to bail out the alien. That's the kind of policy Biden wants to bring back to the White House. If you want to judge President Trump, just look at his record. If you want to judge Joe Biden, look at his record. The differences are plain for all to see. In just a few months, Americans will have the chance to choose the kind of leadership they want for the next four years. The very safety, health, and freedom of our entire nation is at stake. Choose wisely. This has been the Phyllis Schlafly Report from Phyllis Schlafly Eagles. Do you like what you see at the Trump White House? Will President Trump continue to advance conservative ideals? At phyllisschlafly.com, you gain complete access to Phyllis Schlafly Eagles news updates and commentaries and can track our work on Capitol Hill. Go online often to phyllisschlafly.com. And thanks for listening to the Phyllis Schlafly Report. Welcome back. Ed Martin here in the Pro-America Report. Good to be together. And don't forget, go to edmartinlive.com. I can't tell you enough. If you can do one favor for me, please go to edmartinlive.com and sign up to be on my email list. I will get you an email every morning at 5 a.m. Pacific time. So you get in your inbox what you need to know right away. A couple of the key stories. And, uh, of course, the great thing about it is getting feedback from folks. Uh, also, when I uh, send those out, those emails, it goes out to a couple of 25 or 30,000, just under 30,000 email addresses, and people will ping me back with their thoughts and comments and uh, everything else. I, I did get an email from, uh, I'm sorry to say, uh, James, James, uh, James, uh, Jamie, uh, who emailed me yesterday about, uh, do I watch CNN? I think I mentioned that I watch CNN. I don't watch CNN almost ever. Um, I do go to CNN.com. Because I, it, it's easier for me. I can't really stand to watch CNN. It's too much. They're too hysterical. Um, they're just too far gone. Uh, but I do go to CNN.com because I think you need to watch and see what they're saying. You'll see the same exact story on um, 
on CNN, and you can go over to Fox or even go over to uh, even go to sort of a, a AP, the Associated Press, and it'll be slightly AP will be still skewed, but slightly less. Uh, uh, um, um, uh, dramatic, but right now over at CNN. So back to Jamie's question: I don't watch CNN. I really don't watch much TV at all. Uh, I just can't stand it, and uh, because it just makes me, it just is too much to cut through, and I just think it's a waste of time. But I do go to CNN. I go to New York Times and CNN, both online, to see what they're saying to try to frame things up, and. Um, Oh, I'm sorry. I'm looking at your notes. I got an email. The president's in a fighting uh, in a fighting mood with um, um, Morning Joe, Joe Scarborough. You know, this is a crazy story, of course. Joe Scarborough quit Congress, I don't know, 15 years ago, just a little bit after a woman who was um, in his office, a young woman, maybe in her early 20s, died in his office, like was found dead. And there was a lot of speculation at the time that there was some cause and effect. There's never been publicly anything said about it, but there's been a lot of speculation. I mean, I, I think Joe Scarborough got divorced soon after. Um, I, you know, he's been divorced a couple times when he started on the morning show with um, Mika Brzezinski. They were both married. Married and then they got, uh, you know, dis. They got divorced and then married each other. So it's not like I, you know, I don't really care to judge his uh, his marital uh, stability. But President Trump has been tweeting uh, about cold case Joe and saying, you know, why haven't they investigated what happened with this murder? Cold case, cold case. Well, today. Mika Brzezinski, yesterday and today, Mika Brzezinski just exploded. And she actually went on Twitter and on her TV show and said she's calling up Jack Dorsey and asking to talk to him because he needs to stop President Trump from tweeting. Now, I don't know if it could be better if you're Donald Trump and you're trying to get inside somebody's head, if you could have a fight like this. Does it get any better? Does anybody sympathetic for, uh, uh, you know, maybe some people are, but not many. I mean, you know, it's really not a very pleasant uh, thing to highlight uh, for Mika, Mika Brzezinski is, you know, her husband now who was married to another woman at the time they've started doing the show and she was married to another man and it just gets ugly. But she's gone wild on, on, on the uh, Twitter on Twitter. And there is a supposedly a phone call being uh, coordinated where Jack Dorsey is going to speak to Mika Brzezinski about whether they can take Donald Trump off of Twitter. Can you imagine I mean, can you imagine at this point, Twitter, they have to know that they're relevant entirely because of what they're able to do for the political class. Right. They know that, I think. I mean, they got to know that nobody goes to Twitter to to, you know, gather in communities like Facebook. Nobody goes to Twitter to share kind of images and stories like they do Instagram and even even TikTok to some extent. You go to Twitter for the sort of political gamesmanship. The the you know, you don't go to Twitter if you if you spend much time on Twitter, you you know, you know half the people are there trolling you no matter what you say. So Dorsey has to know the thing that's given his his uh, his uh, Jack Dorsey has to know the thing that's given his his app, his uh, social media, you know, its power is Trump and people like Trump in the political world. So the last thing he wants to do is is start having Mika Brzezinski tell them, uh, you know, tell them uh, what they should do, what they should be doing uh, with their Twitter feed. I mean, it doesn't seem. um, it doesn't seem like uh, much is going to play out. But to his credit, Dorsey decided to engage it, and we'll see. So um, uh, thank you for that uh, email somebody sent me. All right. Uh, let me see here. Also, oh, uh, someone asked me, did um, 
do I think Obama is actually Obamagate is real? Well, Obamagate is real. The question is whether, well, there's two things. Obamagate is real and Obama knew. I'm convinced of both of those. That's different than saying Obama will be held accountable. I don't know if I believe that Obama will be held accountable. I really don't. But did, um, did, uh, did he know? Yeah, he knew. Did he know? And was he involved? Yeah. Now, was that illegal? I'm not sure it was illegal. I'm not sure. But I, I, know for, I know for sure that he, he, now we can see, based on the emails that are linked, that he, that the odds are very, very high that, uh, that he knew. Oh, here's another story, too, for real quick. I told you yesterday I got a haircut on, uh, I got a haircut on Monday. Uh, I got a haircut on Saturday. And it's great. It's great to go see my barber, and he's in good spirits and all. But today, uh, yesterday, the governor of Pennsylvania uh, decided to complain that Steelers quarterback Ben Roethlisberger got a haircut. And he posted a video of himself getting a haircut. And the governor complained that he shouldn't be out and about. You talk about good ways to lose re-election. Holy cow. That was not a smart move by the governor of Pennsylvania. All right. Let's wrap things up. Again, don't forget, edmartinlive.com. Please go there and sign up for the email, uh, daily email. I'll send it to you. Thank you, as always, for to Noah for keeping us uh, on time and online and keeping everything going. Thank you to our, our fearless producer, Joanna, out in the heart of America for helping book a great guest. And thank you for listening. Don't forget, go to theanswersandiego.com to find the show as a podcast or go to iTunes and Google Play. Uh, get the show as a podcast. Pass it on to others. And we'll be back tomorrow night. It's Ed Martin, Pro-America Report. Talk to you then.